Do you overdose on caffeine? In this episode, Dr. Cashew takes a break from discussing physiology, the sugar conspiracy, and exercise to read an article about overdosing on caffeine. The Good Doctor emphasizes the importance of managing caffeine and how it can impact one's health, sleep, disposition, and performance. Listen and learn about caffeine's effects on the body and impact on cortisol and sleep patterns. Roll the intro! Hello, and welcome to <sighs> Coffee with Cashy. I am your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy, and today's co-host, my Coke Zero flavored coffee substitute, quite delicious. I'm still heavily convinced that this is Coke's rebrand of Tab, um, which is also an amazingly strange beverage. We'll need my mother to corroborate that because my mom is a tab champion, so if she does a, a comparison between the two, I'd love to hear her feedback there. <laughs> um, today's a strange and interesting episode of Coffee with Cashy for a couple of reasons. One, um, wanted to give everybody a break from all this crazy physiology, sugar, conspiracy, exercise, self-rating bonanza, uh, because... I got a Google alert that somebody mentioned me on the internet. It happens once in a while. And it turned out it was from an article that I did with a professor friend of mine, Professor Easter, actually over a year ago. And he's having a book that's coming out very soon, The Discomfort Crisis. And I've had personally the pleasure of working on many projects with him. And Professor Easter has been a champion of, of TKN and TKN's philosophy for shoot. Since I was a kid, <laughs> since I was a kid. So in a little bit of his honor, this huge project coming to a completion for him and funny, this Google alert for me, I feel like this is actually pretty fun that I'm actually going to read one of the articles that I worked on with him or that he interviewed me for, where, you know, if you worked with me in any capacity, you ask me a yes or no question, you get a 50 paragraph response. And just because he's willing to deal with that, um, I think it would be fun for you to see the sort of writing that he has and how he's able to really skillfully integrate the perspectives of multiple people in, in really one piece of literature, which is essentially what it is. Now, in some sense, this, this is for Outside Magazine, because I'm, I'm probably in magazines, I don't know, once a month or so, I actually forget unless something from the Google tells me. In any case, it's semi-ironic that this is in the Outside Magazine because I've spent most of my life in basements shooting lasers at Green Sludge, <laughs> but... One can pretend by having fancy backgrounds, right? So this is me reading his article verbatim, as it were, so the plagiarism people can go sit over there. I'm saying that ahead of time now. I would bust out my professorial voice, but Professor Easter is actually too cool. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to do, do it my best. This is about um, overdosing on caffeine, and the flavor text is signs that your coffee habit is doing more harm than good. You can go check that out on the outsideonline.com and search overdosing caffeine. It's probably easy to find. In any case, let's get it rolling. Here's what you learn. Here's the, here's the subheadings within the article that he wrote. It's how much are you really taking in the sort of side effects that you will have. And the last, the last part of it is actually how to give it up. 
Um, and I am purposefully changing that to how to essentially how to manage it before it manages you. Because I think giving things up in some cases is kind of extreme. Now that's kind of how you get eyeballs when people read them and things of that nature. But this is really a matter of like, well, starting all over <laughs> so that you can have better management over your consumption is essentially what that means. But how to give it up is shorter and simpler. <clears throat> Let's do it. Professor Easter starts off with, when I first gave up caffeine, the first day was like a scene out of train spotting, which is a movie about heroin addicts, by the way. Picture a grown man balled up on the couch, sweating in November. And he lives in Nevada, I think. Grew up in Utah. So I don't know. It's, it's a decent temperature for him either way. Moving on. <laughs> Picture a grown man balled up on the couch, sweating in November, on the cusp of vomiting, Head split in two. Then a low-grade headache that lasted for a week set in. But I was also sleeping sounder and longer. And despite a few mornings with a serious coffee craving, I felt better. I didn't have as much of an afternoon slump. I didn't feel as annoyed by things not exactly going how I planned. And within a few weeks, I'd lost four pounds. Now, Professor Easter's a fit guy. He's a fit guy. He walks around with ab veins and runs 30 miles a week. So if he has it to loot, like, it's, it's impressive, okay? That's how, that's how inflamed and how much, you know, fluid he was retaining, how angry his body was, okay? He said, I've been off the stuff ever since, okay? Within a few weeks, I've lost four pounds, and I've been off the stuff ever since. Caffeine can indeed be a great thing, but it can also work against you. Your experience with the drug depends on your biology and how much of it you take in. Before I decided to give up caffeine for good, I was drinking upward of three cups a day, which cups can mean just about anything, right? Like, I had, I only had one spoonful of peanut butter. I only had one spoonful of peanut butter today, right? Yeah, a tablespoon, the spoon the size of a table. <laughs> I was drinking upward of three cups a day, but conversations with people much smarter than myself, biochemists, nutritionists, sleep experts, neurologists, they led me to believe that I was overdoing it at a rate that was bad for my health, my sleep, my disposition, and my performance, all of which are priorities for him, as any reasonable person they would be. When you've been mainlining caffeine your entire adult life, it can be tricky to parse out how it impacts you. Parse out is a fancy word for separating it into the components that matter. Start by analyzing just by how much, just start by analyzing just how much you're consuming. Then check in with your physical and mental status. If you think it might be time for an intervention, here's some advice on how to cut it down. Okay, now we're at step one. How much are you really taking in? He goes on to say, 90% of American adults ingest caffeine every day. It's only a couple hundred million people, okay? And the average intake is about 300 milligrams, or roughly a medium-sized coffee. Now, that's an American medium, by the way, so it's super extra medium. So roughly a super extra medium coffee. The humble 16-ounce Starbucks contains 310 milligrams of caffeine. A 20-ounce light roast has 475 milligrams. That's a lot. So if you're downing multiple cups a day, you could be ingesting north of 1,000 milligrams, over a, over a gram of caffeine every day. Now, anything over 400 milligrams a day 
brings it like exceeds what's called exceeds the 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 side effect threshold in a lot of people or even most people side effects like headaches insomnia screwed up stomachs anxiety and according to the mayo clinic because everybody loves mayo uh, about 14 percent of americans drink more than that regularly okay however there is not a hard number that is unhealthy for everyone says Maggie Sweeney, a researcher at Johns Hopkins Medical Institute. Why? Well, for the same reasons sugar and food and, and activity and all that other stuff we, we talk about. It depends on the physiology of the system, okay? She says your response is likely influenced by your lifestyle and your genes. In rare cases, large amounts of caffeine can even increase the likelihood of having miniature strokes, also called transient ischemic attacks, which is like oxygen is cut off from an important part of your body. <laughs> okay, during which blood flow to your brain is briefly cut off. I guess I should have just waited for him, right? He's a smart guy. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so this is when blood flow to your brain is cut off. This is from Chris Winter. He's a neurologist. He's a really smart dude who wrote The Sleep Solution, read that extremely fun book, pretty down to earth and pragmatic. He says it's really weird to see a 21-year-old who's had lots of subtle vascular strokes over the years, and these tend to be people who are really pounding the energy drinks. There is certainly such a thing as too much caffeine. <clears throat> Easter goes on to say, when I did the math, I'd been consuming roughly 1.2 grams, 1,200 milligrams throughout the day, and had been every day since 2001. This article was published about a year ago, a year and three months ago or so. So nearly 20 years he's been ingesting more than a gram of caffeine per day. Caffeine has a half-life of roughly six hours, making, meaning that if you drink 300 milligrams at noon, you'll still have about 150 milligrams in your system at 6 p.m. and 75 milligrams in your body at midnight, and so on. You know how much caffeine is required to disturb sleep? About 25 milligrams, <laughs> just so you know. So my body had likely spent almost two decades under the influence, Professor Easter goes on to say. So moving on to some of the side effects. He said, I determined I might be overdoing caffeine after talking with Dr. Cashy. He owns his own practice and TCAN and all that other fun stuff you guys already know. He holds a doctoral degree in biochemistry. He has his new clients, many of them who range from average Janes to Olympians, go caffeine-free for up to two weeks as part of a larger approach to suss out foods that might be causing indigestion and uh, sleep issues, bloating, sluggishness. A lot of you guys who are in the program understand this as the diagnostic and or calibration phase. That is the point, okay? Now, coffee is a well-known gastrointestinal irritant, Dr. Cashy says, and Sweeney pointed that out as well, the other researcher, okay? Caffeine also blocks the action of adenosine. That's a fancy word. It's a chemical that occurs naturally in your brain and clues the body into like, hey, maybe you should be tired right now. Caffeine blocks that from working. Blocking it from working is different than keeping the body from making it, just so you know. So it's still building up in the background. Still, so that's where the crash comes from, hint, okay? Meanwhile, it increases the release of cortisol, a hormone that exacerbates the stress response and can interrupt normal patterns of wakefulness and sleep. <clears throat> this is what Dr. Sweeney says. Again, his, his book is also good. Well, Chris Winter's book is good. Um, taking caffeine out of the equation means sleep improves naturally. So what happens when a lot of people, they get crappy sleep, they, they drink a bunch of caffeine, but the caffeine is in your body long enough to interrupt the next night's sleep. And there you have it. You end up getting a stroke. 
uh, over enough like that's just the way she goes <laughs> again plenty of research has shown that ample sleep makes for a happier healthier mind and body according to dr cashy those advantages could outweigh any benefits you'd see from caffeine yes dr winter explains that better sleep often leads to better eating habits yes which was likely why i dropped a few pounds in those early weeks a 2013 study published by the American College of Chest Physicians found that sleep-deprived people ate nearly 600 more calories a day than people who got a full night's worth of sleep. That's a whole extra meal, by the way. And look around. A lot of people look like and have the anthropometrics as if they eat a whole extra meal every day. This is a big deal. This is a really big deal. When you're tired, the hunger-inducing hormone ghrelin, it goes up, while the fullness-signaling hormone leptin goes down. This is what Dr. Winter says, and yes, that is definitely the case. <laughs> now, if you're eliminating caffeine from sweet coffee drinks or energy drinks, the benefits can be twofold, since you could also be cutting out the calories that are coming from those drinks if you have caffeine and calories at the same time. Both Dr. Cashy and Dr. Sweeney also frequently hear from clients who say they feel less anxious after cutting their coffee intake. And caffeine has been implicated in anxiety in various strong, rigorous studies dating back to the eight ladies, late 80s. Dad, if you're listening, that was a that's an inside joke between us. <laughs> I said, "Ooh, look at that truck. It's from the eight ladies, but it's really the late 80s. OK, the DSM-5, which is the book about crazy people, says that caffeine induced anxiety disorder is a thing. Now, they've say that anxiety due to anything is a thing, which is kind of the point. But the reality is that caffeine and anxiety are strongly connected in a measurable way. Okay. So then the next, the last part is how to how to give it up or how to manage it before it manages you. Dr. Cashy has a litmus test to determine if a client is due for a breakup with caffeine. Dr. Cashy goes on to say, ask someone to remove caffeine and watch the look on their face. That's how you know. Keep an eye out for a flash of existential dread. If you're wondering if you're drinking too much and somebody tells you to stop it, and you have a short panic attack, well, that's probably a good idea to, to take a, a cold, hard look, okay? Dr. Winter says the same thing, the neurologist, explaining that your reaction to the idea of going off caffeine should offer insight as to whether you are overdoing it. Sweeney relies on well-known signs of withdrawal, another researcher, like headaches, fatigue, irritability, etc., to clue clients into their own dependence and decide whether or not it's time for them to cut back and manage it. The good news is that quitting doesn't have to be hell. Dr. Sweeney suggests gradually weaning yourself off caffeine to mix in, have some half-calves, essentially. If you're a particularly heavy user, he said it could take weeks to gradually reduce your caffeine consumption. Drinking plenty of water and herbal tea can ease the transition. Yes, this is true. Uh, Winter described my method, Professor Easter, my method cold, as cold turkey as unnecessary suffering. Well, it's only unnecessary if it doesn't work, right? <laughs> but it felt a lot more practical to me. Dr. Cashy agreed. Well, we're biased. I'm biased. Confirmation bias is good. Dr. Cashy says... And this is a quote, so there is some language here. Take a shitty weekend with herbal tea and some aspirin, Dr. Cashy says. Because <laughs> that's really all it is. 
Uh, I'm glad I ripped off the Band-Aid, Professor Easter says, and didn't have to do any caffeine mixing math stuff. Plus, I got to see the results of a caffeine-free diet much faster. So I hope you enjoyed that. It was a, I remember having those interviews. They were great. It was multiple interviews. I was, at a, I was actually at a, um, an academic conference for one of them. So here's what you guys learned. You learned how much are you actually taking in. It's pretty easy to measure, funny enough. The side effects of taking in too much and uh, withdrawal symptoms. If you decline, if you decrease your intake and you get symptoms, then that's also considering... You can also consider those side effects of caffeine consumption. And then how to manage it before it manages you. Essentially, taking a weekend off and then starting over is probably the most practical way to end up doing it. All right? So I hope you guys had some fun. I'm going to continue my research. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Stay rational. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out.